This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Hey, would you open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 19? It's Palm Sunday. Crazy. Like a year ago, we were sitting in here doing televangelism from... Was that Rebecca? Was that when you were here? Where's Rebecca? Where's that? Was that was that that Sunday or was that somewhere around then? Oh, that was Mother's Day. Oh, that's right, because I knew that I was going to suck at Mother's Day, so I brought in some moms that knew what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, honest to goodness, I'm not made to be a televangelist. I, I mean, the do you know what I mean? Like the jet and all that stuff sounds great, but I just can't pull off the the thing. So we we brought in the the big guns for that. But it's weird that here we are a year later, and the Lord. Um, has been so kind to us. Next Sunday, we'll be out in the tent in the front lawn. Uh, if you can, actually, please register if you can. We're trying to figure out childcare uh, and make sure we have enough. And so this, the inside will be for kids, outside will be for the tent. We're gonna have abide coffee on that day. It's just gonna be a really great day. While you're turning to Luke, I, I wanna show you something else. Uh, if you're visiting, you may not know this, but our church is 150% committed to freeing slaves in Southeast Asia. Uh, I have actually lost count. I think we might be over 100 families at this point, or we're right at 100. Um, and, and one of the things we figured out pretty quick was that young children who've been making bricks since they were two or three years old have not exactly been learning anything. They're not going to school. So we can't put them in normal schools because it'd be like a Will Ferrell movie. They'd be like a 17-year-old sitting in a kindergarten class. So we had to figure out a way and the way we're doing it is we're planting schools. We're hiring teachers. And so these brick kiln children are now uh, learning to read and to write. We wanted them to get the education that they deserve. And uh, th- this is actually a little loud, but. Pretty cool, huh? You all made that possible. Thank you for that. Uh, we've got, I think, $28,000 sitting in an account right now that is de- dedicated exclusively to just those schools. Uh, there's another school in Nepal that we're almost finished constructing. It's, uh, it's, it's like 37000 for the school itself. But we're going to do the same thing there. Kids rescued from sex trafficking. Kids rescued out. We're, bu- we're building schools for them. Uh, and that includes this, doesn't include the schools in Uganda. Uh, I don't know if you notice, we're actually building a building out back. But one of the things I felt the Lord tell us was, do not back off of the mission he's called you to do. If it was required to do that, then we're not going to build jack squat. But there had to be a way that we could do both. And the Lord has been so kind. We've been able to do both this year. Uh, continue to drill wells, continue to build buildings with others and uh, plant churches. And, and he's been smiling on that. So uh, there you go. Hey, does anybody have your doorbell ring at midnight before? Is that good news or bad news when the doorbell rings at midnight? Never good news. Right? The UrbanX bug guy is not trying to sell you uh, services at midnight. That's not good when the doorbell rings at midnight. 2013, I was sitting uh, in my living room on Paytonsville Arno Road, waiting for my uh, then 17-year-old daughter to get home from babysitting, jo- uh, Craig and Jody Pettit, actually. Uh, and it was late, and I was kind of nervous because I'm a dad and it's winding country roads, and uh, it's midnight, and the doorbell rings, and there is a Williamson County uh, deputy on the other side of the door. That's what I said. 
And so I'm like, oh my goodness, oh wow. So I'm like, Shannon's asleep. I'm trying to muster the courage to open the door, this big, deep breath. Uh, and I open the door and he says, sir, I am, I am sorry to bother you, uh, but do you own a donkey? true story. I'm not making any of this up. And in fact, I I did own a donkey. His name is Earl. And that's his buddy Brutus. And uh, Earl had escaped. And the reason he had escaped was because across the street with about 30 head of cattle was was a mare um, who he was in love with. And when she would... uh, there's kids in here. When she was in season, <laughs> he would like stand at the edge of the fence and just pine for her. And he had broken out before, by the way. And by the way, Earl and I were bros. But when she was in season, he acted like he didn't even know me. Like he's over on the fence trying to get in. He's kicking at me. He's biting at me. He's got no interest in my friendship whatsoever. And so that, uh, that night, the, the deputy says, well, uh, we found him out here on the middle of the road, which, man, the Williamson County deputies, you do not get enough credit for the work you do, that you've got to be out there saving people from flooding and replacing livestock back into the pastures. Like, that should not be in the job description. But anyway, he, he said, well, I put her in the pasture. I didn't know where. I just put him in the pasture across the street. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> His love story is unfolding in... And I didn't know the etiquette. Like, what if he had impregnated her? Like, do I, is there like mule support that you got to pay? Is there <laughs> joint, joint custody now that I'm have to do with a donkey? I didn't know. Um, and by the way, so the, uh, th- this was Earl uh, in the early days. That's my son with his gun and uh, Earl and the, the family crew. But this was that next day when we actually got over in the morning. It was a Sunday morning. We had church. I had to go get him out of there. So that's my little girls. He's out on Paytonsville Arno, and he is having none of it. He does not want to go home. He is being taken from his only love. And so we had to, you know, pull and cajole. And here's the thing. I, I share this story because Jesus chose a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on. And it is not an accident that he would choose a donkey. There's reasons behind everything that Jesus did, reasons behind everything you see in the scripture. The thing you don't know about, maybe you do, I don't know, I didn't know about donkeys, they're not stupid. And they're not even stubborn. What they are is really smart. So if you're asking them to do something, they're thinking about it. You could literally take a bucket of feed and walk a horse right off a cliff with it. They're dumb. They're not, a, not a thought behind their eyes. They will go wherever, but a donkey is not that dumb. They will not do that. Jesus chooses a donkey, okay? Donkeys are not majestic. I mean, look, if you're Jesus, you're going to choose to ride into Jerusalem. Do you go in on Brutus or Earl? And Jesus went, Earl. And I want to tell you why, and I want to tell you that I think it has more to do, uh, I think there's a lesson in it for us as we head into Holy Week as to why Jesus chose a donkey, because if he could use a donkey like that, he can use a donkey like me, and he can use a donkey like you. He says here uh, in Luke 19, I'm just gonna read a few of these verses just to remind you of what Palm Sunday is all about. Uh, Luke 19, 28, he says that um, 
It was after Jesus had said this. This is Holy Week. Okay, this is the day of a Passover feast. The Israeli uh, Jewish people, they were choosing the lamb for Passover. A lot was going on on this day. This was like their Super Bowl, Christmas, Easter, all in one week. They're, this is a big day in their city. And uh, verse 29, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany uh, at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? That would be the question I would say. What are you doing with Earl? Just tell him the Lord needs it. Verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. He went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And in John's retelling of this, there are palm branches, and that's why this is called Palm Sunday. And they said, verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached, verse 41, Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment. He's prophesying this is going to happen literally verbatim in AD 70 to the city of Jerusalem. Will it build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side? They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. That's God's word. Let's pray as we go to his word. Father, in these few minutes that we have, would you give us insight into your, what you have to say to us today? Lord, would you speak through me, speak instead of me, speak in addition to me, just your voice that we would hear today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Jesus chose to ride a donkey. It's interesting when you think about it that the God of the universe puts himself in a position to need us. What does it say? The Lord had need of the donkey. Now, could the Lord have dropped the donkey out of the sky? Yeah. But he puts himself in a position to need us, which is pretty radical. He needed a boat. He needed loaves and fishes. He could have made it rain Chick-fil-A. Jesus chicken, right? He could have. It was his pleasure. The jokes do not get better as the day goes on. Can we just admit, can we admit that for at least? He, he, he could have, but he didn't. He needed a little guy with it. He needed a tomb. He had to borrow a tomb. He needed a donkey. And I would like to suggest to you, he needs you. That there are things that he has to do in this earth that literally only you can do, and he has chosen to need you to do it. I don't say that to put pressure on you. I say that to say, how awesome is God that he doesn't come in and just do it for you? He's invited you to do it with 
him. And so why would it be a donkey, right? Zechariah 9, verse 9, there was that prophecy that your king is coming, daughter of Zion. He's on, a, on the, the uh, colt of a, of a, a donkey. Uh, sure, the prophecy was there. Meek and lowly, Jesus. The only autobiographical thing Jesus ever said about himself was, I am meek and lowly. Sure, he's meek and lowly. He's, he's not coming in to open up a can of whoop God on that day. Like he's, He wants to make a st- statement here that I'm not here to take a sword and overthrow this thing. I'm coming as a king, but not the kind. Sure, that's probably true as well. But I think underneath of it all, the idea that he would choose a donkey, the idea that a donkey, by the way, is one of the most mentioned animals in Scripture, is not just because they're hilarious, but there's something instructive for us. Again, God can use a donkey. He can use me. If he can use a uh, donkey, he can use (laughs) you. (laughs) When he used this donkey, and by the way, for all of us, if you're at a place where you want to be used by the Lord, you just want to be, I think that there's some lessons you can take home from this today of how to put yourself in the position to literally be used by Jesus himself to do what he wants you to do. The, the first thing that he did with these, uh, this donkey was he had to get released. That donkey was tied to a pole. Let me tell you what donkeys are not created to be, tied to poles. Donkeys are fierce animals. In fact, when you drive around, I'm going to give you a little redneck tip. When you see a donkey out with a herd of cattle or a herd of sheep, do you know why that is? Protection. Because I'm going to tell you what, donkeys are not screwing around. You got coyotes? Uh, solved. You can find video online of them taking out mountain lions, okay? In, in Australia... When there was an overrun of dingoes, you know what they did? The dingo. Sorry, with my Australian friends, that was bad. I apologize. They released a herd of donkeys and they cleaned them up. That was Earl's job, by the way, at my house, was to protect the livestock. We had foxes, and if you live anywhere where there are chickens, you know foxes are serial killers. Like, they'll kill like 20 chickens and eat one. And you walk out and it looks like a crime scene, like a crime junkies podcast is going to be made about your, your chickens. So we got Earl to protect. Now, Earl unfortunately made a deal with the foxes. Apparently, they paid him off because he didn't do much with the foxes. But he was for sure after coyotes and bobcats. And he, you know, he actually broke one of the lamb's legs because it was a new one. He didn't know in his, affair, in his defense. He, he was new. He thought it was a, was a criminal. But... He wanted, <laughs> he was bound up, if you will, by his lust for the mayor across the street. <laughs> and so when he was living in his purpose, he was living in pretty good, but he was, kept wanting to get across. That was like the third time he had broken out, by the way. Leaving his purpose to be back to where he had been tied to, this mayor. And let me tell you, I'm just saying this, that mayor was no good for him. She didn't love him the way that he loved her. <laughs> He didn't trust me. (laughs) My point in this is that Jesus chose a donkey that had to be released 
from what was holding him back. Earl was thought he's being held back. He actually was being held back when he gets across the street. But I would suggest to you that there are things that God has made and designed you to do. And you're being held back because of fear. You're being held back because of shame. You're being held back because of whatever thing that is in you and I think that the Lord just wants you to be released from that so you can step into the purpose that he has for you. I, I lived this firsthand in my former life when I was a, a, an artist manager. I, I don't know, I haven't really said this a lot on Sundays, but I don't like flying. Does anybody else like that? I, I'm actually afraid to fly. Oh yeah, you gotcha. Stephen, you know. So here's how afraid I was. I was like my band was playing in the Faroe Islands, okay? Amazing place. And you know where Darren did not go? The Faroe Islands, because I didn't want to fly across an ocean. In my mind, I'd made, I can fly in the United States because at least there's a place to land, nowhere to land in the ocean. So I didn't, you know, that, didn't, that feels like where the movie would get made. I let that steal, that fear stole from me many opportunities because I was tied to a pole of fear when the Lord had given me this opportunity and I just wouldn't take it. Sort of ironic because now, here's what I learned. Uh, sometimes you just got to do it afraid. I mean, if you all have been traveling, I don't, God only knows I've lost track of how many miles I've flown over the ocean now. I do have occasional moments where I'm sitting up there and like that Louis C.K. bit runs through my mind. I'm sitting in a chair in the sky. Over Iran, like they're not, there won't be any movie made about me. I'm going to be like, but that fear is still there. But doing it afraid, it has allowed me to step into what God called me to do. And there wasn't some big moment. I just did it one day. But I'm going to tell you how I did it and why I did it. It was the way that Jesus had this donkey untied. Was that Jesus, in just a couple days, he's going to resurrect a guy named Lazarus from the dead. Okay, this is a very famous story in scripture. And when he raises Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus comes out, he's all wrapped up. Jesus did the resurrecting, but he had the disciples do the untying. It was the disciples that untied the donkey. It's the disciples that untied Lazarus. Jesus resurrects, we untie. And what I'm getting at is that the way that we break through these things is not on our own. We don't white knuckle our way out of it. We, Jesus and church, our way out of it together in groups. That's how it was meant to be. In together moments, conversations I've had with like Tim Bassanio hanging out nights and he'll say something and it will drop wisdom in me and I'll have self-awareness I didn't have before. Some of y'all know this in your small groups and in your, your prayer times or at your CrossFit clubs, but in community, that's how Jesus designed us to be and it's through the disciples setting each other free, not waiting for Jesus to come and do some magic trick on you. For me, it was people speaking into my life and eventually I got on a plane and I had never stopped again. I, I had to be released from that and the fear that I was released from, what he wants to release you from, is so that you can ride into the purpose that he has for you. When Jesus approaches this donkey, this little donkey, it says they put their cloaks on him put Jesus on it, and he went along. And here's what we learn. That donkey, it says he'd never been ridden before. But you know what happened? Something weird happened. That donkey trusted the rider. Jesus 
is inviting us like, to, to let him like, ride us, be a part of our lives, but it requires us to trust him. And if, if you know anything about a cult that's never been ridden before, they're not fond of it. I've been thrown off of a horse or two in my life. When you get on a horse and never been ridden, it is invigorating. Because they don't care for it. And eventually they come to a place where it's, they call it being broke, when the horse is broke. But what they're saying is that the horse now trusts that the person on their back is good and I can trust them. You see that passage that we, we read a little bit ago about Martin? In, in the uh, NIV, it says that I knit you together, your innermost being, okay, not talking about his spleen. This is Psalm 139, verse 13. You don't have to turn there. You knit my innermost being, but in the King James, and if anybody has a King James Bible in here, first of all, congratulations, like all two of you. But, the, but here's, here's the thing. NIV translators apparently were city people because the language is not your innermost being. The language is thou hast possessed my reins. It's equestrian language. The reins of a horse, it moves you forward, it pulls you back, it turns you, it changes you. Your soul, God possessed your reins. And if you're going to let someone, something, ride and control your life, you better doggone well make sure that that person or that thing is good and has your best interests in mind. See, another thing about a horse in just a couple of weeks, some of my uh, guys in the conduit cohorts were going to be up in the Big South Fork National Park for a couple of days riding horses up into the mountains. And one of the things Larry will tell us, Larry the crazy horse guy, if you, if you don't know Larry McMillan in uh, Jamestown, Tennessee, you are missing out on life. This dude has figured out a way to live that is so crazy. Jeremy knows you've met him. Bassanio, you've been there too. He's lived so crazy that people actually pay him money just to come hang out with him for a few days. We're not really doing anything different than he does on any other day, but we just pay for it. Let me tell you what, young people, that is a successful life right there. Find yourself a life that is so nuts that people pay you to want to live like that. That's Larry. And Larry will tell you, we could open up those horses and we could ride them and sprint them and hustle them and they will die because they'll just keep going. If their rider isn't good, it will kill you. The enemy comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, John 11 tells us. Fear wants to drive you and to kill you. If you're going to trust your life to somebody to control it, you better doggone make sure they're good and trustworthy. And this donkey, having the biggest moment of its life, trusting Jesus, here's how we know that Jesus, that we could trust for him to control and ride our lives as well. Because the donkey that Jesus was on wasn't just released, wasn't just ridden before any of that happened in its life. This donkey was redeemed. And here's how I know that. In the book of Exodus chapter 13, verse 13, is this weird verse that you read it and you think, what on earth is that talking about? But listen, Exodus 13, 13, he says, I'll get to the right path. It's in the middle of a 
consecrations and firstborns and crossing the sea. But in the middle of all of that, this one verse that just stands out, verse 13, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck, redeem every firstborn among your sons. Listen to me. This an unclean animal in Jewish culture, and you think, what on earth, why was that possible? Why would they even say something like that? Does it make any sense? God was already painting a picture of what Jesus himself was going to do for us. See, this culture had already experienced the Passover. Again, Jesus riding into Jerusalem for the Passover, okay? On the day that lambs were being chosen for the Passover feast, that's the day Jesus is riding in on. And on this donkey who had been redeemed, on his back is who John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. You see, in Egypt, when the people of Israel were there, that last night of the plagues that happened, there was an angel of death that would pass over, and God told them, anyone who would put the blood of a lamb on their doorpost, didn't say Israel, anyone. Egyptians could have participated in this as well. God's grace is that aggressive. Take that blood of that lamb on your doorpost. Put a little bit on the top, a little bit on the bottom. Put a little bit on each side. And by the way, what sign does that make when you put it through it? Curious if anybody knows the most common sign on the back of a donkey. It's a cross. On the day that lambs were being chosen, this little donkey had on his back the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world riding to be the sacrifice for you and for I. That night in Egypt, there was either a dead son or a dead lamb. And in your lives, Jesus is inviting us to say, would you be a part of this? Would you trust the work that I'm doing, that this sacrifice that I'm paying? They wanted him to overthrow Rome. He could have. And then what would have happened in another few hundred years? Another empire, another this, another. That's not what he came to do. He came to take away the sins of the whole world. Way deeper than a government problem is our sin problem. And that's what he came to do. And on this week of Easter, this holy week, I wonder if the God of the universe has invited you to trust him, to allow him to control the reins of your life. And are you willing to do that? Or do you want to stay tied to the pole of fear? Do I want to stay tied to the pole of rejection and shame or let it be set free so that you can be ridden by a savior who just wants to redeem you and pay for it all. There's a couple of things that come to mind for that. Because you might have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know, Jesus right or what I don't. Can I give you one idea of, of a way that you could maybe allow Jesus to steer you this week? Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. If you're new to here, just so you know, we don't do like in Friday, invite a friend Sundays. Uh, we, don't do, we don't do turn around and greet your neighbors, by the way. You're welcome. That's <laughs> how so you know you're being at a church that's pastored by an introvert. Like, like turn around and greet your neighbors? No. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, I don't think so. <laughs> Next Sunday, 
I'm not asking you to invite your friends to church. Invite them to come join you for an Easter service. Maybe there's somebody that God has on your mind right now that you want to invite. Statistics show literally that Easter Sunday, they're going to say yes. We're going to have a whole lot of chairs. It is outdoors. Invite your friend next Sunday. I've never asked you to do that before. We're going to present the gospel as clearly as I know how and pray that the God of the universe moves. There's a lot of people in our worlds right now that need hope. A lot of people that are feeling very alone and very scared and as well they should be because it's been a scary time. Invite them for some hope next week. And as a long-term thought, what if you started a little journal where you just keep track of, okay, I feel like Jesus is leading me here today, and write it down, and then see what happens. And you may come back to it a year from now. Oh, I, I remember he told me to do I totally forgot he said to do that. And here I, keep track of it. Keep a, a little a running journal of how Jesus is leading you so that you can look back in how the success and the ways that God has blessed you by following him into what, if the God of the universe is real, and I believe he is, if the God of the universe wants an absolute personal relationship with you, and I believe he does, wouldn't he want you to do some awesome stuff? If the entirety of your Christian walk is what we're doing right now, okay, you're not failing, but boy, you are just scratching the surface of what Jesus wants to do in your life. Prayerfully consider that this week, that he would release you from whatever fears, get together with your friends, get, allow the disciples, each other, to, to set you free from that stuff. Turn yourself over with total trust to the Savior that is so good. And here's how we know he's good, because he would be willing to sacrifice himself for you. You might have a lot of questions about God, but whether or not he's good can't be one of them, because he wouldn't have done that if he wasn't good. We can trust him. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give this day to you. This Palm Sunday is your day from us. I pray, Lord, with all of my heart that you would lead each of us to, to trust, to, to know that <laughs> I gotta get off my high horse. Ain't nothing to be ashamed of in being a donkey. We're fighters, we're survivors, we're thinkers, and we're exactly who needs to be submitting to our Father because we got way better ideas that we think that we have than Jesus has, but could we submit to those today? And Lord, the most gracious thing we could do is go out and just love, 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 love our neighbors as ourselves, love our family, love our children, love those that disagree with us. We're not gonna overcome evil with evil. We can over, only overcome it with good. Would you give that our uh, attention this week? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.